to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today I'm your host, Joe Lazo, and I have a intriguing guest. Usually I say special or amazing, but he's an intriguing guy. Um, one of my good friends, I would like to call him right now. I don't know if it's mutual. It might be. <laughs> he's smiling say that. right now. We can say that, right? <laughs> That's fair to say. Um, Dr. Alex Lee, how are you? Good, good. It's uh, it's uh, great to be on this podcast finally. I've been mm-hmm. uh, listening to this since um, you first told me about that. Um, Maybe what, like August, what? September? Yeah, so it's been a few months, so yeah. um, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, no, we're excited to have you. Um, so Dr. Alex Lee is one of the PGY2s here at Advent Health Celebration um, and Care uh, Residency Program, and he recently did a CE on imposter syndrome. And I feel that that is something I've heard a lot of fellow classmates, a lot of fellow colleagues and coworkers experience. So I thought it'd be really interesting and really cool to have him come on the podcast and kind of share some of the stuff that he presented in his CE on imposter syndrome. So this is what today's episode is going to be about. Um, If you have any questions about imposter syndrome, Alex is now the pro. Mm. So I'm going to direct you towards him if, (laughs) if I get any questions about it, but... In all seriousness, I think this is going to be a great episode, and um, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. So to kind of start off, what made you think about, or what made you want to do a CE on imposter syndrome? Um, what made me want to do a CE on imposter syndrome? Well, I guess the idea of the imposter syndrome um, first kind of appeared uh, to me was like back in my PGY one year. Uh, my uh, one of my preceptors. Um, I, it's okay if I name drop preceptors, right? Yeah, it's up to you. All right, um, I can bleep them out if you want me to remove them later. It's up to you. No, it's fine. Um, so, Doctor Kimberly Zicko was my um, ambulatory care preceptor uh, okay. during my PJ one residency over when I was in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and she was the one that kind of mentioned that term imposter syndrome, and I was like, what is that? Is that just you are like an imposter you're just like pretending that you're mm-hmm. a pharmacist because there's a lot that's, that there's, there's been a lot of things in the news um yeah. in the past just like people impersonating pharmacists and they get away so I'm like <laughs> yeah it's like is that it it's like no 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 it's it's more like this feeling that um it's like you know you don't belong in the field um mm-hmm. like you don't trust your abilities you feel out of place um so it's like oh and after that, I didn't really think about it, um, yeah. you know, until I guess I was presented the opportunity to present at CE. So I was talking to my um, current uh, residency director, uh, Dr. Julia Nickerson Troy, mm-hmm. um, and we we're trying to figure out ideas um, on just preceptor development topics. And she was running through a list, and um, imposter syndrome popped up. I was like, "Oh, I've heard about this term." Yes. Why don't I? Why don't I talk about it? So that's kind of how the idea came about, um, and you know I'm glad I presented. It was it was it was a fun reading up on things, and I I've learned a lot mm-hmm. about it. So yeah, and it's it's interesting how how you learned about it. I actually learned about it. I think in one of those uh, at UF we have these town hall type meetings oh. where eventually the dean will come. Yeah. And she had a slide about that, like the dean of the entire College of Pharmacy, not wow. just the Orlando campus. And that's when I first heard of the term imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And that just, I don't know why, but it was, 
it was the only thing I listened to that day. <laughs> and I was, I, I was just like shocked by it. I was like, yeah. oh, I never knew this was a thing. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. realize that so many people experienced it. And it was that important for her to actually mention it during her town hall meeting with right. everybody. Like, you know, she's only talking about the most important things. Right. And that was something that she felt was very important and that she wanted to share to make sure that everybody who um, might be experiencing imposter syndrome or might have imposter syndrome but don't realize it like hey this is a term for it yeah. and some some ways for you to seek help for this yeah. and so that was the first time i kind of learned about it and i've always wanted to learn more so i was super yeah. glad i was able to watch your ce and you actually did a ce on it to kind of yeah. educate everybody and once again that's one of the reasons why i wanted you on here today so to start off can you kind of just explain what imposter syndrome is yeah, so um, like I've kind of briefly mentioned when I was talking a bit, but um, imposter syndrome is essentially this feeling of self-doubt in your own skills. Okay. Um, it kind of, you know, because you have this self-doubt, mm-hmm. it kind of creates this fear in you that you might be exposed as a potential fraud in the field. Um, you know, this, this, this imposter syndrome was actually, I think it was first defined back in the 70s by these two psychologists um i'm trying to remember their names like dr clance and dr imes um essentially how they summarized it was this internal experience of intellectual flowiness um by those who you know have like the education the expertise right so like if i was looking at let's say like a preceptor it's like well you know this preceptor all this experience they seem to know everything Perhaps this preceptor, they might be feeling like, oh, like, well, there are things that I'm not sure about. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if I can actually uh, do this or do that. Like, so imposter syndrome essentially can affect anyone. Like, mm-hmm. and, so we, we generally see it more, I guess, with um, like learners, like your students, your residents, um, but it can really hit anyone. Um, so based on what I've read so far, it's like, you know, about 70% of people in their lifetimes will experience imposter syndrome once, um, which it's a, it's a, it's a big number. It's yeah. a big number. Um, and some people are very good at, um, no, I wouldn't say like necessarily overcoming it, but finding ways to kind of help alleviate some of those, um, imposter syndrome symptoms, if I would put it that way. Mm-hmm. And there are other people that are just, you know, they kind of go throughout their day. They're just really concerned. It's like, you know, how do I make it, um, will I ever be at this level or will I ever be at that level? So, yeah. And so I, I was kind of looking it up and it seems like, yeah, Dr. Clance, Pauline Clance, that was yes, the one that you're referring yes. to was the first one to coin that term imposter syndrome. And, you know, you touched on something important just now and also in your CE where you talked about like, hey, this isn't something that only students can feel. Like yeah. th- anybody could feel yeah. this. Y- you probably may not realize it, but maybe your preceptor is experiencing this, maybe your RPD, um, maybe your boss, whatever the case may be, whatever yeah. career that you're working in, you could be surrounded by individuals that actually feel this way, but you would just never know because probably nobody had a term for it. Right. And people don't really publicize that they have imposter syndrome. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's something that is really intriguing and I'm really looking forward to diving a bit deeper into this. Yeah. And something that you mentioned during your CE was that there was five types of imposter syndrome. And I never knew that. And I don't believe it's an official, an official, uh, it, I, you like, know, like, like terms, ca- categorizations yeah. and stuff like that. It's not official. It's not like guidelines here Yeah, where, where you have references <laughs> no, and, no, and everything. No. I know in pharmacy, we're so used to everything being, yeah. um, kind of clean cut 
and straight to the point. Yeah. But with this one, it's kind of loose. And there's yeah. some suggested categorizations and classifications of imposter syndrome. Yeah. So what are the five types of um, imposter syndrome? Yeah, so the five types. Um, so yeah, so like what, what you mentioned, like it's there's no official like guideline out there to really classify mm-hmm. that. Um, but one of the leading, um, I guess, imposter syndrome experts, Dr. Valerie Young, she has a lot of like TED Talks on imposter syndrome. So she categorized it in five types. So you have the perfectionist, mm-hmm. you have the expert, you have the soloist, the natural genius, and the super person. So I'll start with the perfectionist. So it's basically someone that expects perfection, right? They don't want, they want everything to go their way. It's their way or the highway. So anything that kind of strays from the path that they defined, let's say for like a project Mm -hmm. or for like, I guess their goals, anything that strays away, they feel that they weren't um, competent enough to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And that puts a lot of stress and the stress leads to anxiety and it kind of um, leads to, um, you know, it eventually leads to burnout that eventually leads to um, perhaps someone changing, you know, changing careers and um, all that. It's, you know, that that's one thing. Um, the expert is in the other one of the other categories. Um, so the expert, as it defines, like they know everything or they believe okay. they know everything. So they will focus on the things that they know. And that's what they'll, they'll talk about all the time, right? Um, but there'll be areas where they might not feel as comfortable, okay. right? And they might feel afraid of exploring it because um, it's all about perception. They, there might be people that come and see like, oh, you know, they know all this, but how come they don't know that? Mm-hmm. You know? So would you say those are like, for example, that might be somebody who shies away from applying for a job Essentially. because they don't fit every single criteria that the job requirement has. Right, right. Because, you know, it's it comes down to, like, that again, being the fear of being exposed, right? So, mm-hmm. like, let's say they're looking through that job requirement. It's like, oh, like, I am very good at, I don't know. Three, fu- out, of, three out of the ten. Yeah, three out of the ten, right? And then the seven out of ten is like, oh, well, maybe I've touched on it, but... Eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then because of that, because of how that their thought process, like, oh, like, you know, they've already kind of taken themselves out of the running, you know, they don't give themselves a chance and they just pull out and that's that. Okay. And a lot of people miss out on these opportunities because they don't want to take that jump. Yeah. Um, they don't want to feel exposed for being incompetent, not having the knowledge or being experienced enough in these things and being good at that. Yeah. They yeah. really, really fear that. Okay. Right. Right. So we got um, the expert that we just went over. Yes, we, we talked and, about the perfectionist. And the perfectionist. So um, the next one is uh, the soloist. Soloist, okay. So these are like your lone wolves. Um, they prefer to work alone. Um, you know, they feel like they're best if they can accomplish their tasks, their projects by themselves, right? They won't take any ideas. They won't take any comments. Um, maybe part of it could come down to just pride it's like if i can do this on my own Mm -hmm. and it turns out great then i'm gonna be seen as like you know this this person this this person that knows Mm -hmm. what i'm doing like this competent person um but because of that right because it it seems to be kind of correlated to like this also this fear of just again being exposed like if they were working with other people right could they take the feedback that 
the other people provide them, mm-hmm. right? And most likely they won't be able to, and which is why they tend to seclude themselves and they tend to work on their task alone. Um, when it comes to asking for help, they might not feel confident okay. to approach someone um, because, again, they want to do it on their own. Um, and I mean, you can go all, you can go a lot on soloists, but um, that's kind of like the gist of it. So yeah, yeah, and it and it's you know those individuals where maybe they don't they would feel shame reaching out to other people for assistance. Yeah, they don't want to delegate any tasks um, because of that fear. Yeah, so they'll take on anything that gets thrown to them on the on their own and be very reluctant to ask for help. And, yeah. and seek help in any scenario. Yeah, and that's the, okay. that's a challenge too. It's just that if you don't ask for help, um, especially, and this is why, um, like during my PCE presentation, I was really focused on um, like the students and the residents because like those are like they are usually at their rotations or the mm-hmm. residency sites to learn. So if their thing is to just work on everything on their own twenty four seven, and they're reluctant to ask for help, reluctant to seek the mentorship that can help them really become those the full-fledged pharmacists or whatever they do, um, that can impede them in the long run, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's Definitely. a soloist, yeah. Okay, so, so soloist, the expert um, in the perfectionist, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Um, next one we have here is the natural genius. Um, mm-hmm. So these are the ones, so it's, I guess it's, the definition may seem similar to the expert. So essentially it's like, you know, they know what they're doing. Right, um, but it's more like the 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 knowledge that they gain, the skills they develop, like it comes Natural. naturally, yeah. right? It comes very quickly to them. So if anything takes them um, like longer than that, like a long period of time, like I, depending on how the person defines as too long, um, then they might feel like they're just incompetent. It's like, well, I've been used to picking up all these knowledges, this, all these skills so quickly, but now I'm stumped here. Mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. Um, so that's something that, again, comes down to just um, the feeling of competence. Like, you know, if they can't do it, mm-hmm. they, can't, they can't do it. They, then they just stop. And, and these would be like the individuals where, I feel like we all know somebody like this, <laughs> where... Like you said, they're super intelligent, they're natural geniuses, and everything comes easy to them. And when they're not able to get things on the first try, when they're not able to, maybe they're um, the individuals who have always gotten straight A's and they get one A minus. It's like the end of the world to them. It is. Um, And that's something where they just have those impossibly high expectations on themselves. And always expecting themselves to be able to perform to that high level. That's right. And that could be very tough on anybody. You know, and it's okay sometimes to have A minus, but to them, they just don't think that way. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then the last one we have here is the super person. Um, Okay. So that is someone that likes to try to take on a lot of different tasks. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, these are these are like what you can call them like as your hard workers, right? They will again take on a lot of tasks. They're willing to stay late. They're willing to come in early. you know, and their thing is, if I can do all these things, all these things, all at once, and finish them, then I'm good. 
Um, but that's that's the issue is that when do you know, when does that person know like if they've taken too many tests, right? Because if they take too many, then it becomes hard for them. It becomes harder for them to finish it all in a, you know, in a day or in a week or whatever their, whatever their deadlines are. Okay. Um, because of that, yeah, that just makes them uh, more prone to um, burnout. Um, and they might just not feel, again, competent. They may not feel confident that um, they can do what they're doing like in the future, like uh, again, for a student or a resident, like once again, to the real world, like, you know, because for residency and for pharmacy school, right, we're, we're always thinking about like, okay, all these projects we have to do, right? We have work, we have volunteering, right? And we, we do all these things because we want to make an impression on yeah. someone, right? Whether it be a preceptor or a future boss. Mm -hmm. um, but it gets to a point where it's just like, well, if you pick up too many things and you can't do it 100%, right? The person might be thinking like, well, if I can't do all this 100%, my preceptor, my boss, they will see that. Mm -hmm. um, I got to try harder. I got to pick maybe pick up more stuff. Yeah. I mean, to compensate for it. But that's not how it works. It's, it's just going to, you know, kind of continue that, that, that vicious cycle where it's just, person's going to feel burnt out mm -hmm. and then they might just not feel confident or comfortable with the skills that they have and you could say that again with all the different um types of imposter syndrome like everything i've said related to confidence confidence mm -hmm. and um just um kind of the skills and the knowledge all that you know it's yeah. it's and, and it's all impacted yeah and from what i'm hearing from you it sounds like the, the super person, whether it's a woman or a man, yeah. they're really trying to cover up their insecurities. Maybe they don't feel they are the smartest. And yeah. in pharmacy terms, maybe they don't know all the clinical trials. Maybe they don't know all the different intri intricate parts of the guidelines and, and whatnot. Yeah. But they feel like, you know what? What if I take on more patients? I can do more um, soap notes than other yeah. people. I can take on five projects. Like I, I'll work myself to the bone to overcompensate these insecurities that I have maybe about my intelligence or other things. Mm -hmm. And that leads to burnout and that really impacts their mental and physical health. Right. Right. Okay. And so kind of touching on these, um, I know I didn't ask you, so I apologize if I put you on the spot, <laughs> but what are some of the, would you say downsides of each imposter? each of the five types of imposter syndrome. So we kind of just talked about what the superwoman yeah. or the superman, that, that that super person would really be burnout, which could yeah. affect their mental and physical health. Yeah. When it comes to the natural genius, um, can you think of any, or did you find anything where it talked about the major struggles or issues that those individuals face? It's hard to say. Like, like I couldn't find anything to really, in terms of like the downsides, to really differentiate between um, each of these five. Mm -hmm. They all come back down to is just burnout, right? Because um, it's all it's like it's all like a cycle, you know. It's like if you feel, or if this person feels that okay, so for the natural genius, right? Let's say you know they didn't get that A on their. Um, you know, on their rotation, they got like an A minus or a B plus. Okay. All right. Um, so what they might feel when they see that is um, maybe it's like some anxiety, right? Okay. Some like there's this fear that's like, oh, what if the next rotation, it's going to be exactly like this, 
right? Because I've been doing so well. I've had this streak. Now my streak is broken, right? Can I restart the streak, or mm-hmm. is this the streak of getting um, like A minus or B pluses? Is this going to continue? Okay. And because of that, right, it might lead um, this person to, you know, work harder, right? Which is fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with um, looking for ways to improve yourself, but. Um, and I can't say this like I, I'm not an expert, um, yeah. but I would say that I would think that, you know, there might be, you know, there might be moments where they might be overthinking things. Their their brains might go in overdrive, mm-hmm. and you know, and so when it go, comes to like their next rotation, let's say, right, um, they might kind of go through their usual routine, perhaps like maybe you know talk to preceptors, find out what the expectations are, but they might do something. Uh, they might do something a little bit different. They might add something a little extra. It's like, hey, maybe let me let me try to do another project here, mm-hmm. or try, or maybe um, pick up uh, more more tasks. Yeah, pick up more tasks myself. just to okay. show that it's like, hey, like just because um, I didn't do great to my expectations, in my last rotation, that doesn't mean that um, it's gonna be the same here. Right? I think I can do better. Right? So they might be trying to uh, really focus on trying to really prove themselves again uh, which again which is fine but it, what it comes really? down is you have to recognize um the level of like too much versus enough yeah yeah so and you know i gave the example from natural genius but again this can be applied to the soloist the expert the perfectionist yeah. the, the super person like you know mm-hmm. there really isn't any differentiating um between all these five like in terms of like the downsides Okay. Um, there are, it's all a common theme. It's just like it all eventually leads to just like this feeling of self-doubt um, and which it then eventually leads to like burnout. So. Okay. All right. Thank you. And um, is there any ways, I mean, listening to this, hopefully yeah. our listeners, if, they, if they're finding themselves to kind of experience this or have some of these examples that we were given, they kind of feel like they, they relate to this. Um, hopefully this can kind of be an awakening and enlightenment about like, hey, you're not alone. Like other people are also going through this. But is there like any, to your knowledge, do you know if there's any testing or any ways to kind of identify if you have one of these things? Like, you know, with depression, there's PHQ-9, PHQ-2, um, just like anything online, anything that you can kind of do? Or is it just more so your train of thought and if you kind of relate um, with these personalities that or these characteristics and, and classifications that we gave with imposter syndrome, if you feel like you relate to it, it's possible that yeah. you have it. Yeah, I mean that that's a great uh, that's a great question, Jovin. Um, so there are um, there are tests out there. Um, you know, if you go on Google, okay. there, there's a lot of different things. It's it's not like official tests. Nothing's official. Okay. Nothing's official. Well, there's there's one that's I guess a little bit more official because they do use it in um, like in research on like imposter syndrome. Um, but you could, yeah, if you search on Google, you start searching like imposter syndrome, I don't know, tests or whatnot. Um, there'll be thing, there'll be, um, links that pop up that you can, um, take a look at and just see where, where you fall, right? There's ones where you can figure out like, what's your category? Are you that perfectionist or an expert? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess there's the, the official scoring, um, it's known as the, if I remember this correctly, the Clance Imposter Phenomenon Scale, so SIPS, C-I-P-S. C-I-P-S, uh, okay. So that's a 20-question questionnaire, um, which kind of, I don't remember what the scaling was, like either 0 to 10 or 0 to 7. 
um, but they ask like different questions to kind of assess like your levels of um, of the different symptoms of imposter syndrome, and I, I cannot I can't remember all the different questions they ask. So okay. so I'm pulling it up now. Okay. Um, so let's see. So based off the Clance IP scale, the first question on here, just to give an example, is I have often succeeded on a test or t- or task, even though I was afraid that I would not do well before I undertook the task. And then it ranges from one to five, where one is not at all true, and five being very true. So it's like something like that where you have, let's see, there's, yep, there's 20 questions to it. And then, let's see, if your score is 40 or less, um, you have few imposter characteristics. If you have a score of 41 to 60, you have moderate um, experiences of imposter syndrome. 61 to 80 means you frequently experience symptoms of imposter syndrome. And if you score higher than 80, that means you have some intense amount of experiences of imposter syndrome. So basically, the higher the score, the more frequent and more serious imposter syndrome is in your life. Yeah. So. um, And not only, um, I should say, in your life, but it impacts your life. You may not realize it, but it could impact your relationship with your coworkers if you're a soloist. um, Maybe even relationship with some of your friends, um, fellow students, colleagues. So that's just stuff to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And. This could be this could so the um, the Clance imposter phenomenon phenomenons um, scale that is something um, that's useful. So like for any um, for anyone that's listening who happens to be a preceptor, mm-hmm. um, you know the, the, you know this this uh, questionnaire is available online. That yes, so you can give it like if you want to give that like the beginning of um, rotations for, for like the students or residents, if you want them to oh, kind wow. of take yeah. that. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's like, I think that would kind of um, give preceptors an idea of like, say like where, um, like kind of how the students or the resident is feeling. Um, and preceptors can even take it too to see yeah. where, where, where they're at. Um, you know, it's always good to kind of um, assess yourself, assess yourself and see, yeah. see. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I think that's a great idea just because, um, and I know we talked about this off air when it comes to different students that come on rotation here. It's like, yeah. you know, we never know where their mental health is. Right. You know, this is a fresh person. Everybody could be smiling and happy, but we don't know how they're doing inside and what they think about themselves. Yeah. And so I feel, I don't know about you, but I I feel I keep hearing imposter syndrome more and more from individuals, not just students, but also pharmacists and just people in general. So yeah. that makes me think, hey, maybe more people are experiencing this than I've than I actually knew. Right. And like you said, it was about 70%. Right? So about 70%, right? About 70% of people believe that they have or experience symptoms of yeah. imposter syndrome. Yeah. So that means seven out of your 10 coworkers have it, you know? And that's something that you may not know about. And that's something that they would need help because this is, you know, affecting their mental health and their physical health. And that could lead to that burnout that yeah. Alex was talking about. And that's something that we could be impactful in in assisting others to kind of identify if they have this. And also, if you're a preceptor and it's a student or a resident, that can kind of be a way for you to find some way to have an intervention with the student or the the resident yeah. and create a pathway for success for this student or resident. So, no, great. Thank yeah. you. And, and um, I didn't know that there was a testing, so I'm glad I asked that. Oh, yeah. I'm able to go over that. I feel like there's a test for everything today. So. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they're all online, too. Oh, yeah. Everything's online now. Good old internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the power of Google. Mm. Okay. So through your research, were you able to find any ways to kind of overcome the struggles or issues with imposter syndrome? Is it like uh, recommendations for therapy, counseling, 
what is it that um, you kind of found through your research? So I'll kind of reference Dr. Valerie Young again. Um, so again, she like she is like the current leading um, expert on imposter syndrome. Um, kind of one of the big things that stood out to me when I was watching one of her TED Talks is that um, kind of one of the one of the important things that a person should do with um, a person with imposter syndrome should do is um, be able to well be able to recognize that they have it, but also be able to talk uh, to someone or talk, talk to people about it, right? Because the first okay. thing is being able to vocalize it and share the experiences because we need, like, for example, like for a student or resident, right? If they express what they're feeling, their concerns, right? Then as preceptors, you know, preceptors can know like what exact, like how to kind of go about it. Um, but just, be, co just communication itself, that isn't, that shouldn't be the only thing to do to kind of help alleviate the syndrome. Um, you know, there's for, for, I'm trying to remember for like for preceptors, like thinking about activities, thinking about ways to create like a safe learning environment, make them mm -hmm. feel comfortable, yes. um, make them feel comfortable with making mistakes. That's the big thing. That is the big thing that um, inhibits a lot of people. It's just this fear of making mistakes. Um, so I think what I'm trying to remember, Dr. Young said was um, that no one can really be um, perfect, right? It's all about, you know, are you willing to, well, make the mistakes, willing to learn from the mistakes and then get better from that, right? And be able to accept that you'll never be perfect. So, um, yeah, um, I'm trying to think like, and it kind of brings me back, like kind of way back when I was younger, um, because I used to be in orchestra. Um, and I remember my orchestra teacher once said um, that practice makes progress. And he would say that practice does not make perfection because we'll never be perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. If we put ourselves with the expectation that if we keep at it, we'll be like the most perfect, the most perfect expert out there. Right, we'll never feel satisfied. We won't. Um, and I've heard people too. Um, I can't think of the quote exactly, but it's like you shouldn't say practice makes perfect. No, because you'll never be perfect. No, it's just practice is a way to get better at whatever it is you're trying right. to improve on. But you'll never be perfect at it, so you shouldn't say practice makes perfect. Yeah, practice makes progress. Progress yes. leads to growth. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, it's one big thing is just the mistakes just being open to making mistakes be willing to learn from it don't be afraid of making mistakes everyone makes a mistake whether it be a student mm -hmm. or a preceptor or you know like maybe someone even higher up than that right mistakes happen all the time but are you willing to learn from it um or are you gonna just kind of try to avoid it just just not address the mistake so um and that kind of again just all ties into that feeling of a feeling of feeling like an imposter it's just they don't want to make the mistake because they don't want to be seen as the imposter mm -hmm. so and did uh dr young talk about like a fixed mindset or growth mindset at all in the ted talk i'm trying to remember it's been a while mm -hmm. can't say for certain um 
Because that brings me back to uh, an article that I did with um, a couple friends of mine, Morgan and, and Riley, that we talked about having a growth mindset is what you really need. So being able to adapt your mindset when it comes to certain things, not believing like, hey, um, a fixed mindset is just kind of having a one-track mind, kind of having a tunnel vision type mind where it's yeah. like, hey, I'm an artist and that's all I am. I can't be anything more. I can't be anything less. Yeah. I am this and that's it. Yeah. Whereas a growth mindset, you're more open to possibilities. You're more open to growth, to change. You're flexible when things happen. Yeah. You're not believing like, hey, if this is a task you're given, that's the only thing you can do. You know, yeah. you're capable of so much more and you're also capable of rethinking challenges that come to you, yeah. which I think would be pretty important if you're suffering from imposter syndrome is kind of trying to have that growth mindset mm. and rethinking some of the challenges, these scenarios that, that you're experiencing to be like, hey, I'm not incompetent. I just haven't had maybe enough experience in this. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, you know, your incompetence, that's your insecurity. And that makes you want to, um, since you feel like you're the expert or you're a natural genius, you want to keep taking on more and more challenges. Yeah. And instead, just realize like, hey, maybe I just haven't had experience in this. And this one I actually have to work on. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I, Put in a little bit more effort with this. Yeah. I mean, like, we've gone to where we where we are right now. Like, whether mm -hmm. whoever, whoever's listening, like, whether you're right now, you're a student or you're a resident or a pharmacist or a different career field. Yeah. Right. You've had to work from somewhere. Right. You have to start from the bottom. Right. And you climb your way up. And the journey is different for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's hard for, for, for some. Right. Some may have an easier path at certain portions, but. Everyone has to overcome certain obstacles to get where they are. Um, so the fact that you've made it this far, right? That's an accomplishment in itself. That that's something yeah. that you need to celebrate. Like, um, like having that kind of that positive mindset, having that growth mindset, um, and rather than just wallowing in the kind of the negative perspective on things, like oh, I didn't get this, right? Or let's say I didn't get an interview for this residency program yeah, that's exactly what i was going to talk about right yeah. or you know or i didn't get this job offer i wanted well think about this right you took the time to put your name or put your put put your cut your foot in the door yeah right to apply to apply right um now and you're i'm sure that there's probably other places that um you may have applied right you mm -hmm. may have gotten offers there right you may not have gotten an offer at the, the said program, right? Maybe this is the program that you want, but hey, there's other places that recognize your abilities. Mm -hmm. So don't let one thing or don't let those, the, the bad things keep you down. Think about the opportunities that are out there. Mm -hmm. Think about the positives because you're only going to go up from here. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is something that we were trained to think since we were young, but I believe a lot of us are focused on the final product. They're not focused on congratulating themselves while going through the journey. Yeah. Like you said, you going to undergrad, you yeah. getting your college degree is an accomplishment. You should be yeah. proud of that. You applying, getting accepted into a pharmacy school, you should be proud of that. You going into pharmacy school, being able to complete it, being able to apply for a residency, doing all these different things, you should be proud and applaud yourself and be kind to yourself when, when, you, when you look in the mirror 
say positive thoughts. Yeah. Definitely pat yourself on the back. I feel like a, a lot of us don't champion ourselves enough. We feel like um, and this ties back to imposter syndrome where you have these insecurities and you feel yeah. incompetent. You don't feel worthy. You're comparing yourself to others. Yeah. But everybody's journey is different. Yeah. And you just need to be appreciative of yours and just realize that what's meant to be will be. So you That's just right. have to go along with your journey, go along your path and appreciate yourself, appreciate your life. And at the end of the day, if it's meant to be, it will be. Yeah. I agree. I beautiful. Love it. I love it when we agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And, and for for everybody listening, these are the type of conversations that we have when the mic is off. That's right. And we never get any work done. We so. don't. Do. That's, why, that's, why uh, that's why we can't hang out during clinic hours. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So to kind of go back to imposter syndrome. I was thinking of a couple of things when, when you were talking earlier. Yeah. Do you know what would be out of the five, out of the perfectionist, the expert, the soloist, the natural genius, and the super person? Do you know or do you, or actually I'm not going to say do you know. What do you think or which one of those do you think is the most common amongst pharmacy students? These can be based off um, your time as a preceptor, yeah. precepting students. It could be based off your time as a student. Just wondering, what do you think is the most common one that pharmacy students are probably suffering from? Um, just based on my observations, I would say, hmm, probably the the the, the super person okay. is probably what I see the most. Okay. All right. Um, and it's just. With, with students they, they really are trying to make an impression yeah. um you know and because they're they're trying to work for their future goals right whether it be residency or their next job and for you know for especially for residency where right, you need like the the references sort of letters of recommendation yeah. right you want to make that good impression so it's just like i want to take on all these tasks yeah. like i want to do this i want to do that i will make sure you check all the boxes do yeah. a research project maybe right. help out um with the mue so that way you could be at mid-year ashp mid-year yeah. and present something etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and that that's the, that's the thing it's like because um the students um or even the residents come in with like this checklist in mind right and mm -hmm. they need to hit it all within like a certain period because rotation block yeah. can be like what it can range from like four weeks to six weeks, depending on the school. Yep. You know, residency, you have a year. Um, so because you're at that time constraint, it's just like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do that, all that. So much, yep. um, and it just places so much stress. But it's like mm -hmm. for, 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 you know, to kind of put in like the students' shoes um, or even the residents, like, you know, we had to get all this done because we want to kind of go where we want to go. Mm -hmm. Um you know, as for like for me personally, though, like I, I've I'm more of a soloist. You, okay. I, I'm more of a soloist, um, and I like being alone. That that sounded really sad coming up, but no, <laughs> I I really like just doing things kind of like in my little maybe say cubicle or little office, like because I need yeah. that time to just focus and concentrate. Uh, but there was a period of time for sure where, um, like when I was a student, it was difficult. It was difficult for me to ask for help, mm -hmm. you know, um, look for like a mentor because 
you know, like what I mentioned throughout this whole entire like podcast so far, it's just I didn't want to get exposed. Yeah. I felt like I didn't know anything. I was a terrible student. <laughs> terrible. Um, like objectively speaking, very yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, I will not share my transcripts over this podcast. <laughs> but you will tell everybody your GPA. Um, it was it was all right. It was all right, but okay. just um, it was it was hovering around three. <laughs> That's respectable. Uh, yeah, it was. Look how far you came. Yeah, I made it. So <laughs> if yeah, so if you're if you're in my shoes, there's hope. You can do yeah. it. Um, but when I was a student, yeah, like because I saw my grades, um, just how I perform on tests, and then going into rotations and being asked all these questions, I was like, ooh, I don't know anything. Um, so I just. Really, I felt like I just isolated myself. Like I had my little cubicle that I was at at the hospital mm-hmm. um, when I was doing rotations. I would just sit there. I get there in the mornings. I work on things on my own. Uh, work on patients on my own. Something I didn't know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna have to look it up. I'm not gonna ask anyone. I, I I need to I need to sound competent when I talk to my preceptor when I have to present these patients. Um, and it, it took me a while. It, it took me a while to really accept the fact it's like, hey, you know, there'll be patients where I might know stuff. There'll be disease states I'll know stuff. And there are thing, there'll be other things I just don't know. And it, mm-hmm. I felt like it really took me until my PGY1, right, where I really had great preceptors to kind of help me. Um, so so kind of going back um, to, to the question that you asked, right? So, yeah. I'd say definitely the super person, the big super one. Okay. Um, me being a soloist, but the, you know, you you will well, see a wide variety. Um, and what did you do? I know you kind of touched on it. Yeah. That um, your preceptors kind of helped you break out of that shell. But yeah. what did you actively do in the past and still now to make sure that you're not going back into those um, soloist tendencies? Yeah. So the biggest thing um, that that helped me was just having like a really good support system okay now i'll be i'll i'll overly admit i'm you know i i, I don't <laughs> i i don't have a lot of friends okay like what i what i what i mean by that it's just like i it takes time for me to really you know to really check and see like do do i really trust these the people around me right mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll have people i hang out with sure right but yeah, the people I that I really like the real like i really want to share my you deepest have a thoughts. lot of like um not colleagues you have a lot of acquaintances acquaintances but like but i have very call them a friend yeah so um but just having them around um you know, having those few friends, having my family too. Like it, mm-hmm. it's hard for me because like I, I live far away from my family. My family's in California. I'm all the way. Like I've been in the East Coast now for the last five to six years. Um, yeah. So, but being able to call them once in a while, um, kind of you know, rant a little bit and li- listen to them giving me like their thoughts and their feedback that's how i put it um and then me just not you know me being like the, the child just like eh, i don't want to listen to this but like yeah. you know really kind of think about later on that's helped me um just have yeah just trying to think who else is out there um having like mentees because i was like a mentor um to um a couple of my underclassmen when i was in college and they've mm-hmm. made it to pharmacy school now so being able to talk to them, like I won't, like, I won't, you know, I won't like say like, oh man, I'm dying here this rotation, yeah. right? I, I, what I tend to do is like I talk to them, get their perspective, like how they're doing, right? 
you know, I'll share some of my experiences, right? But, but, but I find that it's, it's really therapeutic to mm-hmm. kind of be able to talk to my mentees um, because you hear their struggles and you're like, oh, I was there once. Yeah. But now I'm here. I've, I've, I made it, right? So if I was able to overcome this, I can overcome my current obstacles. Um, So you kind of realized how far you've come through your journey. Yeah. And kind of use that as a reminder and as fuel to be like, hey, I can also overcome the current challenges that I'm facing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It it took me time. And everyone's different. Some people realize this quickly. Mm -hmm. Some people just take, wow, I'm a a slow learner. That's how I've... (laughs) I've, That's how I've always described myself, um, and I, I say that with pride, you know. Yeah. Um, slow learner, late bloomer, you know. It's everything will come together eventually. Um, but yeah, having those people around me helped. Yeah, again, my the, my preceptors, um, definitely Doctor Zickel. I mean, she she was a tough cookie. Yeah, she tough. Um, but I really appreciated her just challenging me. She definitely put me into uncomfortable situations, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it helped. Yeah. It really did. It and you grow. Yeah, because we were able to talk about it too, which was nice. Like being able to talk to your preceptor comfortably, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, like she made it, uh, she made me feel like, like, you know, she wasn't doing all this to torture me. Like she wanted me to grow, right? She would always ask me, it's like, how did I do? Right? How did you do, Alex? Um, what are some areas that you feel that you can work on, right? And, and then, you know, she always gives, then she gives me the feedback. She starts with the positives, gives me some constructive feedback. Um, so she did like there. the compliment sandwich. She created an open line of communication. Yeah. do the compliment sandwich whenever she was giving the feedback. Yeah, I wouldn't say not, not necessarily like a sandwich. It's more like, you know, like like if you had the two pieces of bread, but you took out the, the one of the bread to kind of to, to save yourself on calories. So she, <laughs> she started with the positives and she okay. gives the constructive feedback, okay. right? But like how she spun it, right? How she said it, right? It did not make me feel like she was attacking me. Mm-hmm. Did not make me feel like I was like doing something wrong, right? Um, no, she she really made me feel that made me feel confident in what I knew. Okay. And she made me feel confident that I can do better. And that was the feeling that I think for the first time, like I really felt. Or maybe maybe it was maybe it wasn't the first time, but maybe it was the, really the first time I realized that like, hey, these preceptors are right. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually trust them and talk to them. Yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. And then, um, all right. So, a couple more questions. Yeah, of course. Kind of along the same line. So you said for yourself, you'd go with the soloist. Yeah. For pharmacy students, you're thinking most like most likely the superwoman or superman. Yeah. What about residents? What do you think they most resonate out of the five character classifications of imposter syndrome? Ooh, that's yeah. I'm putting that, you on the spot. That, that's tough. That's tough. Yeah. Um, you know. And then I'm gonna ask the same question for pharmacists. Okay. Just kind of want to get what you think. Um, what you've seen in the workforce, what you've heard, just based off your observations. It's not facts. It's just your observations Ooh, and what you feel and think. Based on my observations, wow. Um, I'll say for the residents, um, I'd say maybe more of like the natural genius. Okay. Um, and here's my reason. So now you come out of school, you're new grad, mm-hmm. just licensed, you just studied for the, 
you know, for the boards, right? Yep. You're on your top. Boards. You're on top of your game, right? Yeah. Um, as one of my preceptors put it, that's the most that you'll know as a pharmacist. Yes. After that, kind of goes downhill from there, right? You you specialize, <laughs> yeah. and you know, um, so you you're kind of at your peak, right? Um, and you come in to a, a new residency, right? You, mm-hmm. you always have to go through orientation to kind of learn like the different, um, like kind of how everything's run, the, yeah, different, the different workflows, workflows, processes. all that. Okay. Um, so that's where the struggle comes in. It's just like adapting to the workflow and um, trying to kind of come to an understanding. It's like, hey, just because you've mastered everything for the Naplex, that doesn't mean you know everything, mm-hmm. right? So you might come in, and I remember coming into um, my my um, ambulatory care rotation when I was a PGA one, right? Like I had my notebook and everything. I was like, "Oof, I'm ready." Yeah, I'm ready. And then <laughs> I remember my preceptors like, "Okay, uh, so let's talk about Chad's vasculitis." Oh, gosh, I do not remember. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think that's that. It's like. Um, for, for yeah for residents I think it's more the natural genius because like you come in with all this knowledge right you feel like you know everything you've already passed the boards but now you you're coming into these new challenges mm-hmm. um you would feel kind of incompetent yeah. to yeah, ask for help and feeling like you're being you don't want to seem too needy to a preceptor like yeah. they need to yeah the preceptor needs to always watch you like you're not a student anymore like I'm proving myself yeah. as a pharmacist yeah and the biggest thing is too okay. is that, I agree I like that one yeah and the biggest thing too is that like you know, for everything, you, especially when you just start for residency, right? It takes time to yeah. learn it, right? Yeah. And for natural geniuses, right? They feel like if they can do it within a certain period of time, they're good. If it mm-hmm. takes them even longer, then, oh, I'm struggling now. Yes. And that's why, like, usually the, the maybe the first couple of weeks or the first months of residency is a struggle for a lot of residents because, like, mm-hmm. they're now having to start, you know, their longitudinal projects like research, MUEs. They have their responsibilities um, at their residency site, right? And they're realizing I, they're not, you know, I'm not picking all these things quickly enough. I'm falling behind. Yeah. I'm stressed, you know? It's like, uh, mm-hmm. so. Uh, so that's for residents. Okay. For pharmacists. Yes, oof. pharmacists. Um, I'd say it's more of the expert because now, and it, you know, it could I guess how much experience they've had like if they've been mm-hmm. out working for like you know a year versus like a, like a decade but I'd say I'd, I feel like it's more of the expert because like when it comes now down to like talking to a pharmacist talking to like students or residents right they're now kind of like the head preceptor I feel like the biggest fear is sharing information or you're providing education and it coming at, coming off wrong right it's not maybe not correct anymore because it's been updated in the newer guidelines um and because of that right and i I, again this is this is just what i've observed right and for all you listeners out there you may see something different um but how i feel is that because of that some of the some some of the pharmacists may feel like okay well maybe i won't talk to the students as much right especially if they're not like their head preceptor they're just there right they might not spend a lot of time um asking them like clinical questions or anything because they're they might feel like oh what if the student does know more than i do because they're fresh yeah they just learned it in class or they read the most recent guidelines um you know, for pharmacists, I mean, the expectation is for us to kind of keep up to date, but 
it's hard. There's just a lot of guidelines out there, yeah. and depending on what you specialize in in the future, it's just you know you, you can't keep up to date on everything. Yes. Um. So I think expert. That's the big one for um, and, pharmacists. And I could definitely see that now, like thinking back, <laughs> um, as far as like maybe with some presentations or maybe you're doing a journal club. Yeah. And you get asked the most random question that doesn't really pertain to anything that you were talking about. Yeah. But it's almost like their version of showing their knowledge to you. Yeah. That, hey, I may not know much about what you're talking about, but I know this and you don't know this. So why don't you get back to me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and that's exactly what I was thinking of when, when you said that expert and you're kind of explaining why. And I could see that. You yeah. know, you always yeah. want to make sh- well, you don't always, but sometimes a pharmacist might want to show that they are kind of like their knowledge is superior and yeah. that they do know more when really it should be an open environment. Like maybe the resident does know more things on certain topics and that's fine. Yeah. You know, you don't have to know more on everything, but you're still the preceptor yeah. and you should still be educating and, and providing guidance as needed. Yeah. And I think too, it's just like, especially for like the, like for any pharmacists or like preceptors that specialize in a certain area, let's say, mm-hmm. I don't know, HIV, okay. right? So specialty pharmacy will go HIV, let's like look, board certified. Yeah, let's, and then like, you know, student or resident comes in and they're like, oh, well, there's something new out there, right? Um, and, you know. Like for, Cabanuva, for example. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll trust you on that. My, my yeah. knowledge in HIV is no, like. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's the new injectable okay. medication. That's the name okay. of the, um, what is it, Cabotegravirin, oh, yes. Ropivirin. So Cabanuva is the injectable version. Uh, okay, so I've heard the generic name, not the brand. So Yeah, okay. that's, that's the brand name. And then okay. um, I think they just came out with like a oral version of it i'll look it up sorry i'm yeah, being yeah. a nerd <laughs> no, no, no 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 you're good you're good um and yeah so so kind of going off that's like so like you get the hiv expert right mm-hmm. they, they they will they, they feel like they, they know they know all that right but if they get the sense that they're being challenged right yeah it's just like you know what you mentioned like it it might not create like that friendly learning environment they might be like oh get back to me are you sure about that you know um so yeah, and I think it might be that as pharmacists kind of get more years of experience, right? They become more um, detached with um, how perhaps how students or residents feel because it's been a long time. It's just been a long time for them since they've been in their shoes, right? Yeah. So, and things change too, right? Maybe pharmacy, yeah. yeah, yeah, constantly. So when they were in pharmacy school, it's probably much different from when um, like their student is in pharmaceutical like currently so mm-hmm. it's hard so but yeah, yeah. expert that yeah thing. and um sorry not an oral formulation what it was was for cabotegravir um i could be butchering the brand name apertude apertude okay. could be butchering it apologize for that but with cabotegravir um in december of last year so what about two months ago yeah. i just got approved for prep so it's the first mm. um long-acting injectable that you can use for um pre-exposure prophylaxis for uh, HIV, so yeah, so that's some, cool. that's a new indication, yeah, that they just got. So that's something that's pretty cool, um, pretty that you cool. could do, yeah, and um, yeah, and it's like sometimes people don't know that, you know, sometimes yeah. there's a guideline update or a guideline change, and you might know about it as a student, yeah, um, or maybe as a resident or something like that. But somebody who's been practicing pharmacy so long, they kind of know things. It's like, wait, the guidelines changed on that, and I yeah. I feel like that probably happened. I think it was the 2020 guidelines with the. And the GINA guidelines for asthma, when it's like, right. okay, you can start using Simpacort yeah. as needed, 
and it's actually preferred compared to like albuterol and it's yeah. like well everybody's been practicing with albuterol and they're like no that's the um that's what they need to use that's their rescue inhaler yeah simple course of maintenance and it's like even now i find myself struggling sometimes <laughs> trying to um educate practitioners and tell them like no you can also use this and it's actually preferred to use this um as your rescue inhaler you yeah. know it's so it's, it's like yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, it's important to take those steps. So, like, creating that dialogue, that's mm-hmm. important, right? You may not get the results you want, but you start something. Um, and eventually, people will kind of pick up on it. People will learn, yeah. right? Um, and, I mean, that kind of goes back to the imposter syndrome, right? It's so important that, again, people communicate it, right? Communicate what they're experiencing, what they're going through, Um Right. And for whoever's listening um, to to kind of what they're expressing, right, you may not have all the solutions right away, but hey, you are listening, right? The dialogue's created. Now you've established that relationship, right? And it can only go up from there. Yeah. Right. So very cool. I've, yeah. It's yeah. very cool. Okay. So that, that was it um, basically for all the questions that I have. Do you, know of any resources that are available i know a lot of schools have like a mental health counselor i believe that's like a new law in the state of florida mm-hmm. um where there's like a mental health counselor for each pharmacy school each um college in general has one yeah. so that's a resource that you could potentially use as a student i'm sure as a pharmacist maybe your employer has um some type of mental health consultant that you could probably reach out yeah. to do you know if there's anything else out there off the top of your head um, not that I can think of. All I can think of is like there's a lot of different like activities that are available online. Um, okay. I don't know if I can include links. I mean, this is a podcast. Yeah, yeah I mean, we can include links in the show notes. So we'll do that. Okay, we'll, we'll find some links that anybody that's listening to and who feel if you feel like you're suffering or you experience imposter yeah. syndrome at times, and maybe we can provide some some links in our show notes for you kind of have some problems that you work through or, or whatever the case may be maybe some examples yeah. some recommendations for everybody going through that so we'll look up some stuff and yeah, yeah. put that in the show notes for everybody now before i let you go do you have any questions for me Ooh, questions yes. um well i'm curious okay um, curious about what i'm curious a lot about things uh, curious about <laughs> a lot of things joven but okay. um let's let's keep imposter syndrome related here so okay i'm, I'm curious um you're a man of confidence um <laughs> Is that what I exude? I exude confidence. Yes, you do, I good sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I'm curious um, okay. if you have ever experienced a moment where you may have had imposter syndrome. Um, and if you did, um, out of the five types, out of the five types, where would you fonder? Or do you feel like you kind of touch on kind of all different all five of them or mm-hmm. don't touch on any of them maybe you have a new category that you want to introduce to the world okay. right here on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> um i could do that right i could create my own yeah, i know that's how i got so the sixth <laughs> the sixth classification of imposter syndrome is now called the joven mm. no i'm just kidding uh i would say i'm trying to think of in the past but like I barely remember the past because that's just the lifestyle <laughs> that I live. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be in the moment and say what I'm struggling with right now. I'll be completely transparent, and I would say, right now I'm struggling with getting to that next step, which to me is 
I feel like I'm good with time management. I'm able to get a lot of things done. But there's another level that I can get to. And the, the way I look at it and view it is with like celebrities, right? With people who are super successful, I feel they always plan out their day. They have time frames. So you're going to yeah. do this from 6 to 7 a.m. 7.15 to 7.30, I'm going to do this. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Like they, they make out time slots for everything and they stick to it and they accomplish everything. Yeah. And through that discipline, they are able to be ultra successful. There's a reason why they are so successful at, successful at what they do. Yeah. And with me, I'm trying to get that discipline and sometimes I feel when I don't stick to to the plan when I don't do everything like I'm supposed to do if I don't accomplish all my daily tasks sometimes I do feel like a fraud you know but it's I also know that hey it's a work in progress I'm trying to get to that point I'm not there yet but sometimes I do feel that and saying that I don't know what category that would exactly be in I definitely not the soloist I definitely don't think I'm the natural genius. Um, I know I'm not a super superman. I'm not a super person. And I don't view myself as a perfectionist. I never have. Because I always thought, what yeah. we talked about earlier, which I think is a beautiful quote, is, which I don't know if you came up with that. If, it, if you didn't, oh, well, we're giving you credit. So Dr. <laughs> Lee, Dr. Alex Lee said earlier today that practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes progress. Mm-hmm. And... That's how I always envisioned it because I never thought that made sense because it's like I practice a lot and I still messed up. (laughs) So practice doesn't make perfect. You just progress in what you're practicing in. And then I don't view myself as the expert. So Mm -hmm. I do believe we might have to create a sixth category and... hmm. Mm. It's challenging. It's it's challenging. We got got to come up with a title for it, but it's basically not being able to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And it's maybe, um, I was going to say like maybe a fraudster, the fraud. I don't know. The fraudster. (laughs) I don't know. Gangster. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I don't, I don't know because it's the soloist, the natural genius, the super person, the expert, the perfectionist, because none of those resonate with me. It's just me trying to get to the next level and me not being able to, tap into like to, to me i feel like i'm not reaching my maximum potential no. by not being able to do all the things that i i want to do and i believe i need to do to get to that next level to get to that level of success that'll be things with the podcast yeah that'll be residency related when it comes to tasks that'll be um financial related with some of my finance goals with some of my fitness goals you know with that stuff that we talked about um off air like as far mm-hmm. as like um, maybe i want to bench press a certain amount by a certain yeah. day or squat a certain amount and it's just having that discipline consistently go to the gym. But how do you do that? You have to make time. And how do you make time? By making sure that you're doing everything that you're supposed to do um, within the allotted time frame yeah. that, that you do it. And yeah. then, so that's really what I'm personally suffering from is feeling at times like, hey, like I'm not as good as I thought I was with time management or I'm not as, um, I'm not where I want to be when it comes to accomplishing all these tasks. Because I'm an achiever, so I like to check yeah. things off, yeah. off the bucket list, off my checklist. And I don't I don't know what to call it. I'd say probably out of the five. Probably the closest. Yeah. Be my doctor. Yes, Dr. Dr. Lee. Lee will diagnose Joven Lazo here mm-hmm. on his imposter syndrome. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think it leans, like how you describe it, it kind of leans a little bit more towards like the super person. Okay. Right, because you're talking about like you know, 
because you you feel like like you, you have your checklist that you need you need to check off. It's just like yeah. you know, you're you're kind of working your way towards it, and you have like you have your little different things that you're you're working on. Where you have your podcast, yeah. right? Um, you know, you have your workout routine, residency, the, yeah. and all of that. Yep, the food blog, the food blog too. Yeah. Um, you know, and you it may not be like you know you're doing the podcasting while updating your Instagram like at the same mm-hmm. time. Like so, maybe like in terms of like you know juggling multiple tasks, right? Yeah. It doesn't necessarily again it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing it like all at once, but maybe you have it like kind of all that you want to accomplish within you know the next three years or yes. so, right? Um, and maybe you have this like you have a long list, and you have a lot of different. It sounds like you have like maybe a lot of different subcategories for each of those, right? I do. I do. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like it's leaning more towards that, that super, super person because you do okay. have a lot of things that you want to do. I think that's great. Yeah. Um, you know, I think just figuring out um mm-hmm. and and to add on to that, yeah. Thinking about it, yes. That's probably the best category out of the five that I fit in. And it's one again where, you know, maybe for a day I feel down. Yeah. You know, maybe if it's around like five, six PM I might be like I still have more time to do something, but it's yeah. like, I'm just done for today. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel a fraud. I feel like I'm not living up to my potential like I should be. Like, I just want to be alone. I just want to go to bed. I don't want to deal with anything yeah. else today. Maybe I just want to watch a movie, yeah. get some popcorn, get some ice cream, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I just want to run away from my responsibilities. But yeah. then I know the next day I got to get back to it. Yeah. So to me, luckily, I do have like a growth mindset. But at times, I do have that mindset where it's like, hey, I just feel like I'm not there, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not able yeah. to do these things. Yeah. But luckily yeah. for me, I don't, I guess, resonate. I don't let that marinate, let those thoughts marinate within yeah. me. Yeah. I'm like, all right, today's a new day. I can make the most of it. I'm going to try to make the most of it. We'll see how much I can do. Yeah. And then it's a cycle, which I was just like, well, stop. <laughs> but, you know, I'm still, I know it's a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. And lo- thankfully, I'm kind to myself about yeah. that. And I'm not harsh on myself. And I'm sure there's individuals that are. And I cannot imagine what they must be going through um, if they're hard on themselves about that. Because I'm, I'm not too hard on myself. I'm just like, hey, yeah. there's nothing I can do. Yeah. You know, There's only so much time in a day. I could try to keep pushing myself. But at the same time, i got to take care of my health. Um, and health is wealth. Yeah. You know, So that's why um, I believe having that growth mindset and viewing things a bit different. Like, hey, okay, today didn't work out. Yeah. Let's see how many days... This week, I can actually do the checklist. I can actually get things done. Yeah. And today's actually one of those days. All Yesterday right. was not. <laughs> but today was. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it, it. sometimes it just turns out that way. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, no one's going to go through and throughout their day not feeling something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll have your good days and you have your bad days. There's yeah. no such thing as, like, a person that has good days all the time. Yeah. Um, and you won't see that on Instagram, people. I'm just saying, if you scroll through Instagram, yeah. you see everybody's good days. You yeah. don't see the bad days. Yeah. Or the bad moments. Yeah. You know, yeah. it may not be a whole entire day. I really feel like I have a bad day, but I might have a bad moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's okay. Um, and as long as one, like you have someone to kind of someone or people to kind of to, to kind of share your thoughts mm. with, right? It really helps to get other people's perspectives, right? Yeah. Give, because you know, you'll have friends that will want to listen, right? They'll want to comfort you, right? Yes. And that's and you tell them, for me. 
Aw. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Like, yeah, yeah. I, like honestly, thank uh, you for that. No, I, I, I appreciate um, being able to kind of listen to everything that um, you share with me, and I, I've been able to kind of share everything that I've, I've gone through as well. So it's, mm-hmm. um, it's been good. Like, yeah. I feel... Like, I mean, again, like we're in residency right now. We yeah. have our ups and downs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's always nice to kind of, of talk about it. Um, you know, and always talk it to, like, again, yeah, like just talk to the people that you feel close with. You don't have to talk with just anyone, right? Just, yeah. just the people that you feel can really listen, give you honest feedback, but still, you know, make you feel good, right? Um, and yeah, I mean, right now, I guess whoever's listening right now, I mean, this is this again. This is a this is the period um, where people are applying to residencies. Yes. People are applying to jobs. Yes. Right. You're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have like friends, colleagues, or mm-hmm. even yourself. You you might have you're gonna have moments where it's like, oh, I didn't do well on this interview. Yeah. Uh, or I didn't get these interviews. I didn't get any offers. Right. Um. I mean, that's something that, you know, I've been going through. Like, not not like I've been really like I'm not applying for residency right now. Yeah. Right. But as far as applying for jobs, applying for jobs, like I've had, like again, my mentee right now, she's applying to residency, or she's already applied, and mm-hmm. um, I think the tough part for her was, I think the first couple of programs that she applied to, she got rejected. Maybe she only had, she only had one offer. Okay. And I was like, well, hey, you know, those programs that didn't uh, offer you an interview. They didn't recognize your potential, yeah. and perhaps you may not, you may, may have not benefited with them um, if you were to um, yeah. go in their program. Mm-hmm. But hey, that one program out there, I gave an interview. The fact that they offered you to you, they recognized something, yeah. um, and the fact that you also have other programs that have not responded yet. Just because it's you know it's February now, that doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, they're not interested. They're not interested, yeah. right? It, it, you know, they have their process too. You just got to wait, yeah. right? But you have one. That's something. Yeah. Do the best you can, right? You are knowledgeable. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Like three other programs email her like right after that. So, yeah. you know, anything can happen. And if it doesn't happen like that though, let's say if whoever's listening, you don't get any interviews mm-hmm. or you're stuck with that one interview, that's okay, Right. Um, there are just so many opportunities out there, right? And it, it just takes some time to really kind of think about, kind of think about it, kind of look for it, do the research. Um, I th- one thing that I like to give students too, and Joven will oh get Oh my a, gosh. Get you, a, you, wait, <laughs> pause. Are you about to do this on my platform? You know how much I don't like this. <laughs> All right, Dr. Lee, go ahead. Uh, so uh, one, one thing <laughs> to my listeners, I'm so sorry. I should not let him say this. I should bleep this out. I, I did not think there's no way imposter syndrome should lead to this. He's almost in tears right now because he knows how much I hate this. And he has implemented this wherever he goes. And the funny thing about this is he doesn't even do it. I, I do it. I do it sometimes. Um, no, uh, the one thing I have students do um, to kind of help, yeah, this this sort of does tie into imposter. But what what I have them do is kind of do a SWOT analysis. So, for people that don't know what SWOT is, SWOT stands for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So, I see it as a good 
activity for students and for anyone to kind of list out like what they're good at, what their strengths are, what are their weaknesses, yeah. what are the opportunities that are out there, right? What are things that can help them kind of strengthen their strengths or like making their weaknesses a little bit less weak? Mm -hmm. um, anything that can help them grow, um, just anything, just, just have them list anything. Like it can be things that relate to where they're career paths where they're where they want to um you know work at or where they want to pursue um or it could be something completely uh, like different from pharmacy and then you have your threats um so like what could inhibit those um your, your opportunities like um uh, for example do you perceive any financial difficulties or anything so um and that's just one of one of the activities that um i have students do and there's other activities out there um to kind of help again um, address the imposter syndrome, um, it just helps people just to kind of visualize on paper like yeah. what they are good at, right? And what are the areas that they need to work on? Because once they recognize that, right, then they have like a blueprint of kind of where to go, or not a blueprint, more like a foundation of how to kind of develop that blueprint um, to get where they need to be. So, yeah, SWOT analysis. Um, Love it. I do love it. I do do it sometimes. Don't no, he's lying to you guys, America. He just assigns them to everybody. No, my, my, uh, no. <laughs> I, I do it. I do it. My dad will be proud. Love you, dad. <laughs> and um, what, what? Yeah, you should do the SWOT analysis. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I have my own theories on that. Yeah. But. No, that's a great way to definitely identify your strengths and weaknesses, and that's something that you always have yeah. to reassess and assess at times throughout your, throughout pharmacy school, throughout your work life as a pharmacist, um, as a resident, whatever situation you're in. You definitely want to always assess what are your current strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, yeah. and what are you going to do to overcome them or improve on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess it's okay that you mentioned it. Well, I'm, I'm glad I mentioned it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But wow, we touched on a lot. We did. I'm so glad you came on. Um, I really enjoyed this. This this was a great episode. I really hope the listeners appreciate everything that you shared um, today. Um, I appreciate you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to come on the podcast and, and share with us um, everything you kind of researched on when it came to yeah. imposter syndrome and providing um, information about the, it was the... What's her name again? Clance? Last name? Yeah. Um, so Dr. Clance. The um, IP yeah, test or yeah, quiz the, that you can yeah, Google. Yeah, yeah. Clance uh, Imposter Phenomenon Scale. I think that's what, that's it's what the, the official term. Official, yeah. yeah. So we'll also include that in the show notes. We'll try to include some resources to help everybody that's suffering from this because this is a lot more common than I originally thought. I was yeah. thinking maybe 20 people deal with this, 20% of people, 30%. But hearing that 70% of people have experienced this at some time. Yeah. That's kind of shocking. You never know what they are currently going through. So I do think it is very beneficial for us as practitioners, whether it's a pharmacist, yeah. us as a preceptor, residents, students, to see if maybe a co-student, see if a co-resident, a colleague, a co-worker, a friend is suffering through this and yeah. kind of guide them and, and assist them in, in um, being able to handle this tough situation or, or phase that they are facing right now in their yeah. life. So. I'm so glad you're so glad that you were willing to come on and kind of share all this knowledge with us today. And hopefully everybody listening um, really were able to grasp some great information today and be able to 
apply it to their own personal life if they're suffering from imposter syndrome or share this podcast with a friend um, or share some of the show notes, whatever the case may be, to help their friends or themselves to kind of overcome this. Yeah. And then um, if anybody has any further questions, is there a specific way you would like them to kind of reach out to you? Um, maybe LinkedIn. I don't know about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have LinkedIn. Um, I can include my email address um, as well. I, I mean, I guess just I guess include in the show notes. Okay. Or do, yeah. I don't want to. I mean, I guess it wouldn't matter if I say my email on here, yeah. but I, I'm not. Yeah, uh, we'll no, just, you're fine. Yeah, we, we'll, I can put it in the show notes. So okay. whatever you want me to put in, whether it be LinkedIn or your email, I can put that in the show notes. Yeah. And then people can reach out if they have any questions yeah. um, regarding the topic. So thank you again so much um, for of coming course. on. You didn't have to, but you did. Oh. And thank you for mentioning SWOT analysis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to bring my MBA somewhere. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. And I knew you, you got to mention the MBA. You got to mention the MBA. Mm. Mm. Maybe another episode coming soon talking about that PharmD MBA. We had a, um, Dr. Alyssa Louder before. But maybe Dr. Alex Lee can kind of share his experiences with that MBA. He's yeah. finally been putting it to good use, huh? I mean, just the SWOT analysis. <laughs> just the SWOT um, analysis. But yeah, it's we're, 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 we're making the MBA work somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Some way, somehow. Um, I love it. And um, thank you all so much for listening. I know this is a bit of a different type of episode. It wasn't really focused on a disease state. It wasn't focused on a career but it is something that we are facing within our careers, within our journey in life. And we definitely wanted to shed some light on it to let you know that you're not alone if you're experiencing this. Uh, definitely feel safe and comfortable to reach out to Alex or I if you have any questions um, about this. I know Sean wasn't on this episode, but you can definitely always reach out to Sean as well. Um, we're here for you guys. We want to be of service to you all in any way possible. So definitely always, always um, feel safe and comfortable to, to reach out to us. And even if you're not an avid listener, you're not, maybe you just happen to find us through LinkedIn or through Instagram or whatever the case may be, uh, definitely feel free to reach out to us because maybe one of us have kind of gone through what you're going through or maybe had similar thoughts to what you've had. And we just want to help guide you all and help you get to a point of finding success within yourself and feeling confident about yourself and your abilities. And whatever we can do to help, we're willing to do. So definitely feel free to reach out. Um, to me, Alex, um, once again, we'll include his LinkedIn in the yep. show notes so you can reach out to him through there. And um, Sean, Sean and I, we both have our stuff on our on our link tree. So if you go to our podcast um, site, if you go to Facebook, if you go to Instagram at Capsule Production, you'll see, um, or sorry, not Facebook, Instagram at Capsule Production. You can find our link tree on there and you can find Sean, Sean and I's um, personal accounts, whether it be on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook, whatever option you choose, we have it. So please feel free to reach out to us, okay? And thank you all for listening. Um, we greatly appreciate it. And it's been a pleasure, Alex. Thank you so much for being on. And of course, it's been great. <laughs>